0: Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner podcast,
1: a podcast where we dig into the fascinating issues, conditions, and quandaries in the massage and manual therapy world today.
0: I'm Whitney Lowe.
1: And I'm Till Welcome,
0: Welcome to, to the, the Thinking Th- Practitioner. Practitioner. Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner podcast, where we are supported by Handspring Publishing. Their catalog has emerged as one of the leading collections of professional-level books written especially for body workers, movement teachers, and all professionals who use movement or touch to help patients achieve wellness.
1: Handspring has joined with Jessica Kingsley Publishers' Integrative Health Singing Dragon imprint, so head on over to their website at handspringpublishing.com to check their list of titles, including... Uh, my Advanced Myofascial Techniques books, and be sure to use the code TTP at checkout for a discount. Thanks, Handspring. You've been a great source of guests for this podcast, two amazing author shelf. Look forward to more of those. We are also sponsored today by The Back Jam, which is 16 teachers, four Mondays in May, one body part, The Back. I am teaching uh, an hour of some Uh, fun, new things I'm playing with with the back on May 1st. Whitney, when is your day? My day is
0: actually, yeah, the next week on May
1: 8th. Okay. So May 1st is the one that leads off. And then every Monday in May, 2023, if you're listening to this in the future, you can hear from a different set of teachers sharing their ideas on the back. It's available later by recording. Teachers include Ruth Werner, Tom Myers, Allison, uh, Denny, Benny Vaughn, Sue Hitzman, Paul Kelly, Aubrey Gallen, Allison, what's your last name, Whitney? Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, thank you. And many more, all hosted by Diane Metcasky, who is getting so good at this kind of stuff. I can't believe it. Go directly to bit.ly slash thinking back for our podcast unique link to take you right there if you want. Or... You can save 50 bucks when you bundle it with my Spine Principles course, which starts right about the same time. It is a great compliment to all the views you're getting in the back jam. We go really deep into the advanced myofascial techniques work in the Spine Principles course. Again, available later by recording. Save 50 bucks when you register for both at Spine Principles Online. Sorry, that's bit.ly slash Spine Principles Online. And we'll put those links in the show notes. All right. I always like getting done with those. I don't know about you. Those are we need those. Those are great. I love the sponsors, and I always feel good when I'm done reading that. Yeah. How are you doing, Whitney?
0: I'm doing very well. Good to see you again. It's been quite a while. You've been off for a little bit here and uh, off gallivanting around the globe. Gallivanting,
1: putting in some frequent flyer miles. And thanks for holding down the fort. You had some really interesting conversations while I was away.
0: Yeah, and we're still here. So, and it's uh, good to have you back again. Tell us uh, today. Um, I kind of wanted to say, like, welcome back, and talk a little bit about your trips, some of the things that you saw, explored, um, you know, encountered, and, and did, and and uh, see how that might be relevant for some of the people looking into various types of explorations with their learning as well.
1: All right. So stories from my travels, and then how it can be relevant. Do you want me to show like all 180 slides? For- from my, Just uh, like the travels. family
0: slideshow, let's do that. Let's <laughs> go through all the slides. I would
1: tempt it. There's so many beautiful things to show, but that I'm not yeah. going to do that. Although if we have time, I might show you one little 20 second video and talk through the audio listeners while we do that. Because now we have these YouTube uh, videos we're releasing, yeah. so you can go there and see it. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: And for people who didn't know, we are now recording our presentations most weeks on uh, mm-hmm. YouTube. So you can see those... Uh, as well, as yep. we're chatting here, so.
1: Yep. yep. But I'm pleased so. that you asked. Thank mm-hmm. you. It was a phenomenal trip. And yeah. I think it does maybe open up some possibilities in terms that could be applied in all kinds of situations for yeah. learning and travel, et cetera.
0: So where did you go? I mean, tell us, where, where was it?
1: Uh, first stop was Thailand, mm-hmm. where we went to a floating raft house surrounded by national park up in the mountains in Thailand. And this raft house has a big yoga sala, big yoga room. Again, it's all on pontoons and all of the uh, uh, rooms are floating. And we had, uh, maybe it's a good time just for me to show that video. Yeah. So can to, get, to, the so get the picture of get the, the place. of it all. Yeah. Because the place was so much a part of the experience. I'll tell you about the amazing learning experience too. Mm-hmm. Let me get this fired up here for you. But uh, the place itself, it took us half an hour by boat to get there. And once you're there, we're just there, it's totally offline, totally mm-hmm. total digital detox and out on this lake. So here's the boat ride out, half an hour on the boat to these floating raft houses where our individual bungalows were roped together and floating on a lagoon in this huge lake. And we had this whole place to ourselves for 10 days of just bodywork uh, instruction. Movement mm-hmm. instruction, and then every afternoon we practiced what we learned. So it was an amazing uh, learning format too. Where the mornings we were busy and learning, and the afternoons very spacious, but lots of sessions being traded, lots of supervision. People would mm-hmm. bring uh, some people brought their partners and spouses in for you know some targeted work, and we'd help strategize and apply the work of the day. Mm-hmm. And then we had uh, three amazing movement teachers with us too. Wojtek Kakowski, who's been on the, the show, uh, Gunter Bisjes, who's an amazing Feldenkrais teacher, and Bibiana Badenes, a physical therapist from Spain. Mm-hmm. They're all giving their movement perspective on the advanced Facial techniques work we were teaching there.
0: Yeah, so, awesome. So, yeah. so we're really kind of a <clears throat> pretty rich, integrated degree of of things that people are doing during the day with with... Learning stuff in the morning and application stuff later in the day as well.
1: Yeah, being I mean being isolated out in the jungle like that really let us design a learning environment mm-hmm. that was uh, ideal for the pace and for the scenario where we could dive deep, again like after breakfast when people are fresh, into the the theoretical or some of the more uh, involved movement parts, and then in the afternoons leave it open for application. Yeah, and uh, dialogue and conversation with people. Amazing. So,
0: you know, I'm curious about this because my mind automatically goes to things like logistics and things like that, or like how you yeah. do certain types of things. So right. you're out on a floating thing. <laughs> do you have electricity for like, you know, showing things on your PowerPoint have, screen or whatever? Mm-hmm. or something like have, that?
1: I like how you think. That's how yeah. I think too. So, hey, how am I going to teach with, you know, can I teach most of my PowerPoints? Yeah. Well, they yeah. actually did fire up the generator mm-hmm. they have there for the PowerPoint. A few times okay. a week, we'd have a PowerPoint. And then yeah. in the evening... They'd fire it up for some lights in the dining room, things like that. But otherwise, it's silent. Yeah. Jung- jungle sounds uh-huh. going on. You know, all kinds of birds and monkeys and things like that. In fact, just for fun, I'm going to play that one just because I can. Is that okay? If I play yeah, a little yeah, bit of jungle sound? Uh huh. Okay. I'm pretty good at this, but will you tell me. Does that come through?
0: Yes, sir. I hear the jungle now. Yeah. So this is live jungle sounds from your.
1: From Changing the learning, space, right? yeah, this is like recorded right there at the venue, and this is like an hour-long recording the owner of the place did, and it has like monkeys, and uh yeah. you can hear elephants trumpeting off in the distance, and all I kinds know. of crazy, crazy things. Yeah. Anyway, enough of that.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. So, did I, I did any of the animals come down into
1: your? A uh, little teaching space? There, I mean, it's hard to compete as a teacher with monkeys swinging yeah. between the trees right outside the classroom. When those, when they would go by or climb down the hill there, was full interruption of the PowerPoint, say. Yeah. We'd all go watch monkeys for a little bit.
0: Yeah. The place I was teaching in Costa Rica last year, there were some giant iguanas that are on the uh, sort of pavilion roof that come in. There's this big opening in the roof and they look down into the classroom. They're kind of like watching you and everything. And then every once in a while they... Jump down out of the trees and everybody's very distracted, looking around there. But it is—it's uh, definitely a different kind of classroom environment, C- different classroom okay. in, uh, disruption than we usually get. Yeah. Right?
1: So you're all—you're all about this tropical uh, retreat teaching. You know about that? Well, yeah, it was Your my first report.
0: time doing that, and uh, it was certainly interesting. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting
1: uh, environment. Well, you—are uh, you going back there? Do you have plans for? More yes, uh, I that.
0: am going back again this year uh, in early June uh, back to the Costa Rica School of Massage for another week long um, oh, thing. That's such an amazing place. That's great. Yeah. yeah, indeed. So, well, tell me about the students that are coming to. So, well, actually, let's backtrack for a moment. There was Thailand sure. first, and then um, what was next?
1: Thailand. Well, okay, but I could tell you about the students in Thailand. Yeah, because they came. They came from the states, from Canada, from Europe. Uh, in the past, we've had Australians come up. So they were all traveling in from various places, and uh, it was a great international mix of students from, uh, coming together there in Thailand. Then you, uh, then it was the next stop was actually not yet uh, Taiwan. I actually took a week off and went and did a diving course or a free diving course rather. Oh, and uh-huh. I, I'm going to resist. I I got really excited by it with, and I, I'm going to resist telling too much about it because I'm hoping to get a guest on our show who can tell us about it because it's so relevant to what we do. Mm-hmm. Free diving is when you dive without a tank or without any equipment. You do it all in one breath. Mm-hmm. And the key to being able to do that comfortably and for a long period of time is essentially to engage your parasympathetic nervous system to slow your heartbeat down and slow your uh movements and your cog even your cognitive processing down to really calm yourself. And then you can stay underwater for a long time. Interesting. So yeah. Oh. So this discipline, they have some very uh, simple, direct but effective ways to do that. To really feel your parasympathetic system getting engaged, and it was a remarkable experience to be floating in the water there and just preparing for a dive, and to feel every little ripple of my autonomics. So it comes, I hear like a motor off in the distance. Mm-hmm. And I could just feel my sympathetic system go. Wait a minute, do I need to look for that? It's like a ripple sensation through the body so yeah i'm hoping they have some really interesting things they're doing i hope to hear more about that on a future episode
0: yeah cool yeah so there was the the teaching retreat the week off and then taiwan my diving uh, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah my diving uh, class and then uh taiwan mm-hmm. taiwan is a remarkable and unique place if you know anything about its history, it was, you know, it was a, it's its own island with its own indigenous tribes. And then four million Chinese escaped mainland China there in the 40s mm-hmm. with Chiang Kai shek as they were losing the communist revolution and set up their own uh, republic there, which is in a funny pariah situation in the world because they're not recognized as a country by a lot of places because China will cut off relationships with you if, if you do that as a country. Mm-hmm. But they they uh, are a liberal democracy, have been since the '80s. Very highly educated uh, country, very high literacy rates, very uh, high standard of living. Super uh, serious about education. Mm-hmm. So as a teacher, it's a delight to teach there, where the learning that they well they were they were my last no next to last stop before COVID on my last international trip before the pandemic hit was in Taiwan and I was the first teacher of this organization had back since the epidemic too. Mm-hmm. So they were so glad to see me. we were glad to see each other and they had taken what I'd given them three years previously so seriously that they were quoting things back to me that of course I didn't remember saying but they had a, you know they came with their stories of their clients and uh, the successes and clarifications they wanted. So it's just a really amazing teaching experience. And okay. we had some, yeah, we had some Westerners there too, mm-hmm. so it's like uh it's it would be an I, if you ever want to go to a different culture, an amazing culture, and you uh want to do some continuing education anyway, come mm-hmm. visit in Taiwan, say, or one of these countries because it, it's all taught in English and it would be a remarkable mm-hmm. uh experience to see it happening cross-culturally in that
0: way yeah. Tell me a little bit about what your sense is of the sort of the the world of, of bodywork and manual therapy in Taiwan. Is it um yeah. mostly based on some of the traditional Asian systems of body work or how to how people do? I,
1: yeah, I'm not an expert on that uh, at all, but from what I gathered, there is a traditional bodywork uh world mm-hmm. or uh, you know, profession of people going on. I think that's happening in there's quite a number of like uh, storefront massage institutions where you just can either book appointment or show up mm-hmm. and they're you know they're nicely appointed there's all the whole variety of different uh you could say probably price points or scales in that and then this organization that I was working with is a is a school that teaches uh all sorts of different physical therapy disciplines mostly but they also run Three clinics and a department in a hospital where they employ over a hundred therapists, and then they offer continuing education classes for their physical therapists, occupational therapists, uh, uh, speech pathologists. We had we had a whole mix of different professions, and then they opened it up for open enrollment. So we did have some people with massage background or physical uh, strength and conditioning. So mm-hmm. it was a diverse group of backgrounds, but again, very, very uh, highly educated. Very exposed to different uh, the, the kind of modalities that we will learn here in the West because they bring a lot of teachers in from the West there. So the practice there, this it was it was great for me again to teach to that diverse group and then to hear how they had applied it. Say how they had applied it in the hospital setting. Yeah, and the questions they're having.
0: Is there a similar kind of uh, um, setup with? Th- entry level education versus continuing professional development kind of like we have here in in the west or how is their
1: educational system set up I didn't get a good sense of how that works for massage therapy but certainly for physical therapy and those other uh professions I mentioned yeah it's it's very similar you do your university work and internship and then constant continuing education mm-hmm. that's why that's why I was there basically yeah. to give them yeah. some of that
0: and um, most of your students for example the the Taiwanese students were mostly pretty proficient in English
1: for what you yeah. were doing or did you have to work with yeah, translators? We, we had a translator as well, mm-hmm. but most were proficient in English. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it's it's a great experience teaching in another language because it slows me down and makes me very precise about what mm-hmm. I have to say. I can't just ramble on. Right. Because it has to be a time to say it in two languages.
0: Yeah, interesting, yeah. what what did you find as, as an educator to be some of the biggest challenges of these different environments in terms of you know either the logistics there that's or like it's competing thoughts. with monkeys and yeah, right. and saying less uh-huh.
1: uh biggest challenge as you said yeah um boy i'm just remembering the good times honestly uh-huh. it's just so uh it's so stimulating to me as a teacher to have to clarify what i'm teaching for these different environments whether it's yeah. a retreat format where people have I have people's full attention other than the monkeys competing with me. Mm-hmm. Or in this very urban setting in Taiwan, very dense, very highly populated country. We're right downtown in Taipei, like a mile from Taipei 101, which is the second tallest skyscraper in the world. So it's like, oh, wow. It's like uh-huh. New York City or something, this environment yeah. that we're teaching in, but denser Asian version of that. Uh-huh. And so in that situation where people are, seeing uh, dozens, if not more, clients every week in a hospital setting. Again, to focus in on the essential parts of what I'm trying to teach is a great exercise for me as a teacher. And then to see how that lands and see how people use it mm-hmm. and to adjust. And what's, what's so great about the hands-on work, Whitney, I don't know if you experienced this too, is people get it in any particular learning channel way, anyway, as long as we're doing a decent job as teachers, the people that really want to know more about the kinesthetic learning can just focus on what they're doing with their hands. The people that are the geeks like me and you, we can like really get into the technical, anatomical or biomechanical mm-hmm. or neurological aspects of what we're doing. So it's, uh, you know, to do that again in a across culture, especially the nonverbal part, we did a day back to Thailand. Now we did a day with the staff at the retreat house, who are all Thai or from Myanmar refugees who come over and were working there in the retreat center. We did a day where we just worked on them, mm-hmm. and they don't. Many of them don't speak English, and so it was a great exercise for the therapists there to ascertain what was wanted and how the work was going, and to invite feedback along the way when you don't have English as the indicator. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Back to, again, back to Thailand for a second. I'm curious what your sort of perspective is about yeah. of the impact of that shared residential experience with the students, mm. how that impacts what they're doing in the learning environment. Like, you know, the fact that they're they're with each other all day in their training program, and then they're often yeah. with each other in the afternoons or the evening times as well. How does that impact the, the learning experience?
1: It's um, It's how I got started really. I you know I got my entry level education from years, living for years at the Esalen Institute in California, where mm-hmm. it was residential. I was on the staff there and there were teachers coming in working with other students, but also with the staff. And so we got to live with the work and live with each other and practice on the off hours or talk shop at dinner. Mm-hmm. And uh, that way of learning really uh, stuck with me, made an impression with me so that I've for years have been looking for ways to essentially recreate that Mm -hmm. residential experience. And uh, um, it's very different when you can live it, when you can just eliminate all the distractions of having to go back to your uh, voice, you know, your email or whatever, or squeezing in other obligations in the the day, when you can just soak it in and be with it 24 7. Mm -hmm. For the length of the particular class retreat, it's just it's great as a teacher, but it's also great as a student. I think, yeah. From what, from what did, I'm hearing,
0: did you find any of your students or notice any of your students having uh, withdrawal, technology withdrawal, uh, coming out and doing yeah, that? Yeah, there was
1: a bit of that. There was uh-huh. a bit of that. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't bad, and people were prepared for it. And we we actually walk people through it mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way. But no, it's it's amazing how uh, quickly you get used to not checking your phone, every whatever, you mm-hmm. know, and we uh, phones were left in the rooms. People could sneak off to the room and, you know, get their technology fixed if they wanted, but in the public spaces, you were technology free. And that was just, it was it, the quality of conversation changed the, the quality of the attention and the question the teaching and things like that just really changed. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, there's different, speaking of cultural differences, um, it's not unheard of here in the states to see people texting in class. It's you know some teachers have policies about that or ask people not to. Sometimes yeah. I'll do that if there's a lot of it, but it didn't even occur to me that that was not happening in uh, in Taiwan. Now back to this urban culture where we are in the midst of a very highly developed technological society. Yeah, people weren't doing that. Yeah, people weren't doing that. There was some note taking. There's some picture taking, but they there wasn't the split attention thing that we get.
0: And do you think that is about trying to maintain attention in a certain way, or is it a, a cultural thing about like, it's rude to interrupt the instructor and do that? Well, <laughs> maybe it, some combination of both.
1: There, it's such a, there is a, a culture of teacher veneration there, too. Like just stopping off for the morning coffee at the place on the way to the classroom, Second or third day, the barista asked me. He says, "Hey, where you know, where are you from?" I said, "America." He says, "What are you doing here?" I says, "I'm teaching a class." And he, his eyes got big, and he says, "Oh, teacher!" And he bows to me. You know, mm. he didn't know what kind of class I was teaching. He didn't know yeah. what. But but there's that sort of elevation of the profession of teacher within mm. society there that probably comes yeah. with a lot of that respect and focus there.
0: Yeah. I would love to live in a world like that <laughs> where that's, well, where that is respected to it. that degree, yeah, you know? I know, I know,
1: yeah. that's right.
0: Yeah, so what's coming up? Do you have any of these other um, adventure education experiences on the horizon again this yeah. year? Yeah,
1: thanks for, thanks for directing me towards that. I could like go on showing these mental slides forever. I could just go on talking for a while. But yeah, what's coming yeah. up? We have some uh, fun ones, let me pull up my list there. Uh, there's one going on right now in Livermore, California with Bruce Nelson, where they meet at a a, a wine country resort, a purple orchid spa. Mm-hmm. So this this model of being able to be together and focus together is one we're trying in different ways. In that one, people are in, in the local area coming in for the day, but there are some people staying right there as well. Mm-hmm. The next one that's like a destination trip is in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. and uh, that's... You know, in the past, we've been going there every year for many years and our host there, Carmen Rivera at the Puerto Rican Massage and Bodywork Work Institute is an amazing organizer and teacher in our own right. And in the past, we've done like rainforest tours and hung out on beaches and did this like haunted old San Juan tour. Like there's centuries of history there in San Juan. And this tour guide we had, who was actually a student in the class too, took us on this amazing tour full of stories of the colonial history of the place. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's coming up in November, and really invite some uh, Americans, as they call us. Mm-hmm. You know, they're part of the U.S. It's not—it's not a separate country. No passport, anything to come down and and visit them for that. Mm-hmm. I might be doing something in Colorado this summer. I'm still trying to work out the details of that. Uh, and then we've got you know trips to next year. We have trips to Ireland planned with Aubrey mm-hmm. going. Uh, Norway this year. It's also Portland, Oregon. Uh, which is its own uh, cultural experience. If you haven't been to Portland, mm-hmm. just to go do an urban retreat there and be part of that same Sandpoint. Those Idaho. Oregon people
0: are crazy though.
1: <laughs> Great. <laughs> Port- uh, I already said Portland. I was going to say Portland again. Yeah. Uh, Pennsylvania, etc. Mm-hmm. And And uh, the one I'm leading up to is the a walking workshop on the Camino de Santiago, which is an ancient pilgrimage route in Spain. Mm-hmm. And a walking workshop means that we uh, walk for nine days together, and each morning we meet in small groups with one of the faculty, with me, or uh, Robert Schleip is one of the faculty, some of these other faculty members like Bibiana Badenes, who I mentioned on Thailand, is also one of the faculty. You meet in a small group with one of us, and we we teach for an hour or so about something related to walking and give you some uh homework essentially to try during the day as you walk. And then we walk along this uh, path or this route to our next destination where we meet up at the end of the day and debrief and relax and have a great Spanish supper, which goes late into the evening. Oh, and cool! Then, uh, mm-hmm. the next day we do it again. We're doing a day off in Pamplona and uh, the food supposedly along this route is spectacular. Mm-hmm. So we're, it's just a very pleasurable way to learn and move every day and get to know each other. So that's, that's also one of the most remarkable things yeah. we do. Yeah. It'll be our third time doing that course.
0: Mm-hmm. So what have been is what have been your main learning things? Any, any interesting, fascinating things that you'd say have been great learning experiences for you out
1: of doing all this? technically i learn a lot from the teachers that come along mm-hmm. because the, we get a diverse faculty yeah uh, coming in, get guest teachers so i you know i learned a whole lot this last trip uh about from boytech akasky about his movement form mm-hmm. and the way he's applying his physical therapy background structural integration background and movement i look forward to learning a lot from robert Schleip on the camino mm-hmm. just in terms of his uh breadth of knowledge about fascia and the way it functions and then also, how it connects to the experience level. He's not just interested in the tissue qualities, but he really does uh, connect it out into the experience of being a body, being a person. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. But uh, but you know, teaching in these different environments, Whitney. I think it's it's something about for me as a teacher. I think it's something about um, how we teach from who we are. There's mm-hmm. you know, there's powerpoints, there's curriculum, there's techniques, there's outlines. But in the end, when we're just hanging out together in these different environments, it's so much about the interaction yeah. and the curiosity that we have about each other mm-hmm. that ends up being the the context for that learning. Yeah, And uh, so just living in that, practicing that, being in that is probably the, the most enjoyable part of it all for me. Yeah.
0: You know, a lot of the discussion about creating ideal learning environments emphasizes this whole idea that learning is a social experience and, wow. you know, there is a certain element of what goes on in the educational institutions, whether whether it's the traditional, you know, schooling that we all go to in our early years or even a lot of the later courses that we're doing in advanced training things, a lot of it is about information yeah. delivery and content delivery, but there's still that whole experiential aspect of the social part of learning, of communicating with your peers and having discussions around lunch and, you know, things that's that right. that spark curiosity and spark integration of of the the things that you're being exposed to. And I think those that's just that's irreplaceable uh, in sort of the online environment. That's where the 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 that whole thing about being around people uh, mm-hmm. really just excels um, mm-hmm. tremendously for that particular for yeah. That's so true. Sure.
1: I've yeah. I've had this working hypothesis for years that the reason. Body workers and massage therapists do continuing education is so they can have some company once yeah. in a while because we work it's in true. such solitary yeah. context. Yeah. We have a client, but we don't really get that chance to mix with each other yeah. in the same way. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the one of the functions that continuing education serves is a chance to have that interaction, mm-hmm. toss you know, toss around the ideas, but also just the uh, the companionship, mm-hmm. you know, or the collegiality you get from. Yeah, there's people.
0: something just really crucial about the shared experience of you know. Even like you can make a body worker joke and they'll get it. You know your family and friends may not or something, but that's yeah. That is an important part of of that whole shared learning process. I think
1: that's true. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for giving me a chance to tell my stories. Yeah. Uh, How about you? You got you you travel. You're starting to travel some. You got you mentioned going to Costa Rica in June again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Getting back out on the road. I haven't done many of these sort of, uh, residential, um, learning experience things. So, you know, I, you know, have done a fair amount of traveling stuff to different places where it's the traditional environment of, you know, the weekend, the long weekend workshop or, or something like that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, again, that's kind of why I was asking about cultural, um, mm-hmm. unique cultural things. Cause I think those things are always fascinating to look at, but, um, yeah, well, I maybe a, maybe really. we'll have
1: to try to tempt you on one of these trips some days. Maybe it'd be like yeah. a bird bird trip to South America. Absolutely, oh, something. Absolutely. Maybe you pick that, yeah. you pick the place we go. It'll be a bird trip. What do you think? Very cool. Yeah,
0: yeah. So very cool. So, yeah, we'll do that sometime. That sounds like a good like a good plan. So all right. Yeah.
1: Well, should we should we wrap it up for the day?
0: Yeah, that sounds like a good a wrapping point for it. And uh, again, thank slides, you so much for for walk. sharing sharing your experiences on the on the learning journey and and uh, giving us some insight into those as well.
1: Yeah, I should. I mean, on the way out, I just I need to thank the staff that makes this all possible here in our organization, but also at these retreat centers where we go to. Rebecca Green, uh, Carlos, Marcel, Jasmine, all working really hard in the background here to make it a seamless experience for people. Mm-hmm. They, uh, Rebecca actually got to come along with us to um, Thailand this time, which was great to have her along. And then also, you know, I probably, I'm just thinking now the question that probably comes up in people's mind is how do you afford this? How much does this cost? And there's so much we do to keep it affordable that it's, uh, and we have, we have payment plans and things like that. You hold it with the deposit and you pay over time. That it actually is, it, it's not a small expense to go to Thailand, say for 10 days, but it's uh, something around the neighborhood of three grand. We always target that mm-hmm. as like a 300 US, 3000 other US dollars as the target for these longer retreats that go on over 10 days. Yeah. And that means that's uh, it's not a small expense. But that means that it's something that you can save for and make happen over time. Mm-hmm. And uh, compared to other professional experiences, it's right on par. If you compare it to like a vacation, yeah. it's actually pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. Vacation in Hawaii would cost you many times that for the yeah. same amount of time. Right. So, all right. Because right. cool. I should thank. Speaking of finances, I should thank our uh, closing sponsor. They help us uh, financially be able to do all this. Books of Discovery has been a part of massage therapy education for over twenty years. Thousands of schools around the world teach with their textbooks, e-textbooks, and digital resources. Books of Discovery likes to say, "Learning adventures start here." They see that same spirit here on the Thinking Practitioner podcast, and they're proud to support our work knowing we share their mission to bring the massage and bodywork community enlivening content that advances our profession.
0: And you can check out their collection of e-textbooks and digital learning resources for pathology, kinesiology, anatomy, and physiology at booksofdiscovery.com, where Thinking Practitioner listeners can save 15% by entering thinking at checkout. So uh, thank you to all of our listeners and all of the sponsors for our shows. You can stop by our sites for the video, show notes, transcripts, and any extras. You can find that over on my site at academyofclinicalmassage.com. And Till,
1: where can they find that for you? Advanced-trainings.com. We'll put all those links we mentioned in the show notes as well, wherever you listen to the podcast. Great. And questions, uh,
0: things that you'd like to uh, hear us talk about, things that you want to say to us, send us information. You can always... Connect with us by email at info at the thinking practice, excuse me, info at the or look for us on social media under our names. Um, should I be your name or not? Nah, I guess I'll, I'll still be my name. I'll be my name on social. Whitney Low over there until, People say,
1: yeah, Whitney Lowe is your name. Tell Lucas my name. People say, have said, though, they can't tell us apart and they wish yeah. you, we would say our names more. But uh, I think that is a compliment from my son yeah. that I get confused with you. Uh, yeah. Email us uh, your suggestions for new re- retreat destinations. How about that? Oh, there's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Rate us on Apple Podcasts as it really does help people find the show. And you can hear us on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you listen and share the word. And please tell a friend. Thanks for today, Whitney. Thanks for your interesting, great questions. I love yeah. Enjoy talking,
0: talking about it for any of those people who can't remember who's who i'm the guy with the southern accent so <laughs>
1: i don't know what kind of accent i have colorado let's say yeah
0: all right sounds good we'll see you next go round
1: okay see you later okay